0: welcome actually Hi. thank you for welcoming me to your home
1: oh you're welcome
0: I've been wanting to talk to you for a while since we met in Cabo
1: we met in Cabo yes we did a
0: little romantic escape <laughs> pretend romantic escape even though you had a different husband than me mm-hmm. I had had a different wife
1: mm-hmm.
0: it was two couples on a shoot for the Hyatt and we had a good time
1: yeah and your wedding photos came out they look amazing yeah
0: my uh, my wedding to to Carla <laughs> she was a great bride you know it didn't last long but it was fun. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I wanted to, to get you on here because you have a lot going on that I think is interesting. So we're going to start with the first official question, which you may or may not know. What were you up to when you were seven years old?
1: I actually did know that question because I listened to your podcast a lot. So, um, when I was seven years old, I think I was, I was probably dancing because both of my parents were professional ballet dancers. Really? Yeah. So I kind of grew up doing ballet and like in the theater. So I was very doing a lot of performing and like arts
0: what were they on the road like with a company or what is that lifestyle like as a kid
1: um by the time they had me they weren't touring anymore okay but before me they were touring internationally pretty much all of the year um but after i was born they got in the same company kind of settled down so i had a very normal childhood yeah we lived in the same house you know my whole childhood
0: where is this house
1: in sarasota florida
0: Oh, my parents are moving there in a couple of months. Oh,
1: yeah. I think yeah. you told me that. Yeah. It's great. Great town. Kind of boring to grow up in, but now... Well, they're retiring. so Yeah. They, well, want that's, to be, yeah. I think the average age of Sarasota is like 70 years old. Pretty much right on. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that's great. So did you have like an always like an idea that you're going to move towards the arts, you know, coming from parents who are artists? I My parents were both doctors. So there was a while where I was like, oh, I guess I'll just be a doctor. That's what parents, that's what adults are. But then I kind of pushed against it and I ended up in the arts. So did you have a similar trajectory?
1: Actually, no, I'm kind of the opposite. So my parents were both artists. I loved animals my whole life. Yeah. So all I wanted to do was work with animals. I specifically wanted to work with tigers. Mm. Um, so I kind of took the route of going to college. I got my biology degree. I got a job as an animal trainer um, for a few years. And then... I started modeling part-time like yeah. totally out of the blue by accident and after a while I kind of realized wow I'm working this full-time job that I love making minimum wage with my biology <laughs> degree yeah. and I'm doing some part-time modeling that's paying me way more yeah and just I'm I was getting booked a lot um through this agency I had so was it in
0: Florida you know, or was here? it in Florida okay yeah. yeah I
1: had an agency in Tampa it's yeah. kind of where I started so I was getting booked a lot, and at first they were like really small jobs. Like I remember one time I did, which I would never do now, but it was an overnight shoot, ten hours. I was an extra in a mm-hmm. Checkers commercial, and mm-hmm. I got paid fifty dollars.
0: Oh, fifty bucks! Wow. Fifty bucks! Yeah. But at that
1: time I was like, oh my god, I yeah. work. This is like more than half what I make during a day because I was literally making ten dollars an hour. Right. So that's at my half job. a day's work. <laughs> and and you're doing fun.
0: something you you enjoy, and those early jobs are important because you're just getting on set, and mm-hmm. it's like. It's like a paid internship. Mm-hmm. Like you're just figuring out how it works so that when the money's a little bigger and the pressure's greater, you don't seize up and exactly. freak out. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So yeah. It, so then I hit the point where I kind of was like, um, I wonder maybe I'll just try modeling yeah. as my career instead Full-time. of working with animals. Yeah. yeah. And it's been good.
0: But now it seems like you've kind of combined the two. Yes. Yeah. So wait, where did the animal fascination come from? Did you have pets growing up?
1: I always had pets growing up. Yeah. You know, my mom really liked animals. She's always like feeding the squirrels and the raccoons and birds. <laughs> yeah, and, like, yeah. There's always tons of backyard animals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, for as long as I can remember, I've always loved them.
0: Yeah. I mean, you have two dogs with us right now.
1: Yeah. I have two dogs and, you know, I hope that one day I can have some land and have mm-hmm. a farm and like, I would really love to have a donkey.
0: A donkey. How about a tiger?
1: I don't know about that. Where does your tiger
0: <laughs> uh, fascination come from?
1: I don't know that either. I just like, I feel like it's just something that, you know, you have those things where you can't remember the, or pinpoint yeah. the day, the time you're just like, this is just what I've known about myself. i just my gravitated towards
0: it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a, a fascination with tigers as well. I'm actually in the process of designing like a tiger tattoo. Oh yeah. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. But my, my backstory with tigers is <laughs> when I was in college. All my buddies and I took this, like, what animal are you quiz? And I was the only person who got tiger. And it was, like, the coolest answer. So everyone else was, like, ferret or, like, you know. And people were, like, Gable, how did you get tiger? And I was, like, I don't know. And they, they reverse engineered the answers to my questions. Mm-hmm. And they they figured out the only way I couldn't could have gotten tiger is if I selected that I was head-turningly attractive <laughs> <laughs> and they're like fuck you you can't put that down I was like I, I don't know I am what I am so
1: is that what you put down yeah okay <laughs> um,
0: I have my reasons but like uh, yeah I'm I, my spirit animal I can't the internet says what it says so it must be true yeah it must be true <laughs> so there's a quiz it must be true yeah on the internet. yeah if it's on the internet it's true um, but I love cats especially I think cats are really interesting I love dogs I'm a dog person always had cats and dogs growing up but like big cats are really cool because they're so solitary and so independent mm-hmm. and so like beautiful but they're just wildly so, powerful
1: yeah powerful but like chill yeah you know like stoic like very confident in what they are as mm-hmm. creatures
0: and they're observers like you don't see a tiger until it wants you to see it right. you know i'm i'm very much relate to that because i like to kind of stay on the outskirts hmm observe things and then be like, all right, I figured it out. Now, now I'll go. Yeah. So, you know, it's like being a background actor and being like, okay, how does this work? Mm-hmm. Let me get like, I don't want to throw myself in before I'm on, before I'm comfortable with what's going on.
1: That's so funny. I'm kind of like that too. I remember my mom used to always tell me this story about when I was in dance class. Mm-hmm. If I went to a new class, I would never just like go and do the combinations right away. She was like, you would watch the yeah. class for like two weeks. And you would practice at home. Yeah. And then you would go in the class and do everything right. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's so interesting. I could definitely see how I kind of do that as an adult.
0: Do you have do you think you have a bit of perfectionism in you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Because it's like the fear of failure. I don't wanna I don't wanna expose myself when I'm not ready to be seen, Mm -hmm. you know?
1: Yeah. And especially like my perfectionism comes with stuff relating to like the industry, right? Mm -hmm. So like now, Like I've started doing YouTube and, you know, we'll get into this, but like doing hosting and making my own like shows and stuff. But for me, I, I waited on it for so long because being in the industry for 10 years and being on sets and doing commercials and, you know, being in a place with a whole crew of like, you know, it could be 10 to 100 people. Mm -hmm. Like you see the quality of what gets produced, and it's like, okay, if I wanted to make my own thing, I know what I want it to look like. Yeah. But the reality of the situation is, I can't get it to look like that you don't have unless the budget I, or
0: the equipment yeah, or the time. Unless I have a crew. Yeah.
1: Somebody following me around and an yeah. audio person and like a red camera. You know, like I can't do it just me with my iPhone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like you can you can meet certain quality standards, like your personality and your content and what you're putting out there. Like, yeah, the the visuals may not be in 5k or 8k or what you know it might be not be shot on a red but like especially with youtube and like different mediums like that it's like what matters is not that it looks like a, a finished like feature film it matters that like you're just interesting and engaging right so mm-hmm. like that's what you can bring to the table and like you have to accept that it's not going to be visually as good as you know what we're used to creating on set with million dollar budgets for different shoots you know it's like there's no way to do that unless you have a million dollars right yeah but i'm curious about like your hosting path because there's a lot of models and actors who go down that path and it's kind of one thing that i haven't done a lot of in my modeling and acting career um how did you kind of get your foot into that
1: so when (laughs) i came to la i moved here for my modeling career and um you know after being here for a while i was like oh modeling is cool but like what's really big is acting out here which i kind of knew but i never really was super interested in it um so i went through this phase where i was like okay i kind of want to do something more than modeling like i hit Mm -hmm. a point in my modeling career where it was all well and good you know i love doing the jobs like it's amazing you have the best time. Yeah. It's not that hard. You get to meet cool people. You
0: get good at it too. And you are like, good Oh, I'm it. a pro. Like, yeah. I know what I'm doing. It and it's feels a nice ni- feeling yeah. when you're like,
1: I actually, I'm a pretty good model. Yeah. And like, I can get you the shot you need. Because I remember being
0: out. like, I'm not great at this. Like, and then you get to a point where you're like, no, I know what to do. Like, I can show up and suit up and pretty much give them whatever they want. Yeah. Yeah. And that feels nice.
1: Yeah. Um, but I was kind of feeling like I. It wasn't challenging me. Right. That's the problem with getting good at it. Yeah. It's like you show up to set, you put this thing on, you do the shots. I'm like, okay, I could do it in my sleep now, you know? But I was just looking for something a little more engaging. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, there's hosting. That's cool. And there's acting. That's cool, too. I was like, I can get started in hosting a lot faster than I can with acting.
0: Because
1: basically, like you said, if you have an engaging personality and you like talking on camera and you're comfortable doing it, or even like this, you know, we're not on camera, but... Oh, no, we're on camera. Oh, we are? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's basically all you need. You just need to be comfortable talking to people and talking about things. So I started doing that with a network called AfterBuzz TV, who is not around anymore. But they were pretty much like a huge training ground for like anyone that wanted to be a host. Interesting. So through them, I was able to get a lot of time doing, like, um, talk shows and doing events, and, like, they were sending me to red carpets, so I was doing, like, all the Hollywood stuff. It was cool. I got great stuff for my reel.
0: So you're, like, an interviewer on the red carpet, Mm -hmm. doing the, like, what are you wearing? Tell us about the project, that kind of stuff? Cool. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Which, in itself, is, like, a whole weird, stressful thing. Well, it's a whole different
0: (laughs) skill set, because... You know modeling is like downtime 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 okay this is when we focus Mm -hmm. whereas that you are like constantly Mm -hmm. navigating the conversation and like the on-camera presence and it's similar to this and like we're having a long-form conversation and i'm talking to you and present with you but also aware of the audience so it's like it's a whole different kind of mindset yeah
1: and the thing about the red carpets is that you kind of get a list of who will be there obviously if it's a movie you know like the main stars that will be there yeah so you you do research, you prep things you want to ask them. And then, like, depending on how big the carpet is or where your position in the carpet is, like, you might not talk to any of those people. And right. then they'll be like, oh, here's this kid. He's on Disney Channel. And you have no idea who he is. You've never seen him before. You have to, like, Google him in one second yeah. and find something to talk about that's relevant. And it's, yeah. like, really a really, like, you have to be a quick on your feet kind yeah. of skill set.
0: I like that because it's kind of improv y, but it's mm-hmm. also just, like, It's just, like, conversational skills. Like, Mm -hmm. so when you go into a situation like that, say you're being thrown someone random, like, do you prefer to have, like, a specific reference point? Like, oh, they did this Disney show. Like, I'll bring that up. Or do you like to, like, just approach them and see what pops up and then kind of, like, go off the cuff?
1: Kind of both. Like, I like to have things prepared in case I run into, like, an awkward moment. Because some people are awkward when you interview them. You know, not everyone is... Used to doing interviews. Um, but kind of what my tactic would be was like, I would see whatever was the most relevant thing that came up if I Googled them or like mm-hmm. Instagram Googled them because usually people are on red carpets because they have something to promote or they were just right. in a show or like there's something that they want people to they know. want to talk about. Yeah. yeah.
0: Or they're supposed to talk about. Exactly. It. Yeah.
1: So. I mean, I had even asked people before I got on camera, be like, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You tell me what you yeah, want to talk yeah. about. Because
0: they know the game. <laughs> yeah. Like, they know what they're doing. Yeah. yeah,
1: Like they're there for a reason. So yeah. just, you know, tell yeah. me what you want and yeah. it'll be way easier.
0: I mean, it's similar to how I run these because like I don't do, I have one question at the top and then it's like, let's just go. But in coming, you know, in preparing for an episode, I'll do like a very brief dive into someone's like digital footprint but I don't go too deep because I want them to tell me what they want to talk about. Like, cause that'll mm-hmm. navigate the conversation, but I'll also have a few questions like fallback questions. If we hit some like dead air, it's like, Oh, what about this? You know? Right. So it's like, it's a balance of the two. It's like being prepared, but also being present. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, and that's also super vulnerable because there's no re I mean, maybe there's some retakes, but like, it's kind of what you get is what you get. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you like that pressure?
1: Um, I am not that comfortable with that pressure yet. I like deal with it. Yeah. (laughs) But that's the hard thing too. Hosting not so much, but like with act like acting versus modeling. You know, modeling, even like let's start at the baseline of auditions. Right. Modeling is here's my picture. You like the way I look or you don't like the way I look. Yeah. And those are the only two factors and I don't take it personally. Yeah. Acting is like, do I do it? this way or that way did I make the right choice? yeah Yeah. like for so long I thought I was so scared of making the wrong choice that
0: you played it safe
1: yeah that I just didn't know how to do it like now I'm kind of understanding that there's no wrong choice everything is just different
0: yeah and sometimes the choice you make lines up with what they want to see and sometimes it doesn't but like if you're just going right down the middle every time they're gonna be like you're boring yeah you'll never book anything
1: yeah and the same for hosting there's no out like like modeling to me is very black and white and all these other things are like I don't know. It could yeah, be whatever yeah. happens. Let's see what happens.
0: But I mean, it's it's rare. I mean, obviously, our s- agencies are submitting us on direct submission things where we have no... We're not submitting a self-tape. We're not going into an audition room. We're not doing anything. So it is just your look. Mm-hmm. But more and more, it's like... It's even just a self-tape personality question. Like, what's your weekend plan? And like, you're making a choice in that answer. Like, I'll maybe research the brand a little bit. Is it bubblier? Is it more serious? Is it intense, active stuff? Is You know, and like, I'll cater my my video to that which is a choice and maybe helps them guide their decision with my look plus my personality mm-hmm. and then you get into auditions for commercials where it's like you know like sides where you're doing actual dialogue and then it's more choices and so it, it gets into more more control on our end as opposed to just what we look like which yeah. is what I think a lot of people assume how this works is yeah yeah
1: and it's interesting those personality questions like I mean I feel like we've all done so many of them and they're kind of weird yeah right but it was very weird at the (laughs) end of the day it's like the people i took this commercial class one time and the teacher was like you have to remember that the people watching this are like pretend they work for a corporation headquartered in iowa yeah like they don't know anything about hollywood yeah they just want someone who fits the description quote unquote of the character or the lead and someone that seems fun to spend a day on set with yeah so it really, in that sense, kind of comes down to just like personal preference yeah. of who those people think. Oh yeah, he he seems fun. And
0: I think that's an important point to bring up is that like people forget that not everyone is in LA. Mm-hmm. So like you have that personality question. You're like, oh, I love hiking Runyon, and people are like, what the fuck is Runyon? Like mm-hmm. or like they're like dressed like you're going to a cool rooftop thing, and they think like LA Hollywood downtown rooftop. It's like no, no, like this is this ad is going to play in Kansas. So, like, you know, what is the like broad vision of a rooftop cool? You know, you have to kind of play to the market, which is generally not just Hollywood people. <laughs> like,
1: wow, that's so funny. I've never even thought about that. Cause yeah, I immediately just think of how people dress in LA. Yeah. And people in LA dress all kinds of weird and trendy and like,
0: all kinds. Yeah. You don't like,
1: see that anywhere else really.
0: It's not accessible. And also, like, I often forget, like, cause it's, I don't know, it's 80 degrees right now. But it's fall. So the stuff they're shooting right now is for like fall or winter. So when it's like dress casual, like layer up, like wear something like, you know, keep it in your car when you get to the audition, like put on your jacket because chances are their their idea of what the weather is in Iowa is not 80. No, so you're like you're kind of blowing it by showing up in your tank top and cool necklaces, guy. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like living in California, we definitely have a skewed vision of life in so many different aspects, like weather, clothing, um, prices. You know, a lot yeah. of times I find myself being like. Well, that house is only a million. That's not that bad. And I'm like, you know. wait, wait. I'm yeah. like, I can't buy a million-dollar house. But, you know, because, like, we're so used to hearing these big numbers yeah. that we're like, oh, it's only... Yeah, it's
0: a million. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. It doesn't have parking, but that's fine. Like, anywhere else in the country, they big like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have a parking spot?
1: I don't even have an outgoing mailbox. That is one of my daily struggles. Yeah, me like, either. I, have to, I spend my life literally chasing down mailmen around L.A. <laughs> to give them my packages and my mail to yeah. take.
0: You need, I guess you need like stamps.com or something yeah i need a sponsor yeah Yeah. um but i'm i'm also curious why you move towards hosting because you know you have a degree like you have you have clear interests and it seems like hosting as opposed to acting like you're more in control of the content you're creating like it's not just here's this character that we want you to inhabit like i don't care who you are become this whereas hosting it's like no this is what i'm bringing to the table right Mm -hmm. so it seems like you're more interested in like bringing your interests and skill sets to light as opposed to making them transparent in the service of someone else's vision.
1: Yeah, well, especially now. So, like, going back to the animals. Yeah. So, like I said, that was what I wanted to do my whole life. I studied it. I did it. I had a real job. I was, like, doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then got into modeling so randomly, and that's just been the last, like, 10, 12 years of my life. Yeah. That... When I was doing hosting, I was doing a lot of entertainment hosting because that's what we have here. Right. You know, it was so easily accessible and there was so much going on all the time. So I feel like that's kind of where everybody starts at. And then after working for a couple different networks, doing like celebrity news stories and things like that, I just was like, okay, I like hosting. I don't care about celebrity gossip. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm not contributing i'm not passionate about this like i don't care what color lipstick this person wore yeah i don't want to write a broke story up about with who yeah. yeah yeah um and if you don't
0: care like yeah yeah the passion's gonna fade and you're it's gonna be a shitty career yeah, yeah and the other
1: thing is like unless you're really like on entertainment tonight you know like one of those big networks being like a host or like you know a morning host or something also, like the money could be not that great. So, for you to be right. doing all that work for something you're not passionate about, it's like not even worth it. I'd rather be doing my own thing. So, that's kind of what I did. I quit doing Hollywood entertainment news stories. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I've always loved animals and I've always loved traveling. So, I had this idea for like five years, literally. I thought about it for so long. Yeah. Where I was like, I want to make my own show where I'm traveling the world, but I'm visiting animal places. That anybody can visit. So like a sanctuary or a zoo or you know, like sometimes there's like these like cool experiences you can have with wildlife that you don't really know about that are like yeah. in national parks, or not national parks, but like nature parks and state parks and stuff like that. Um So, like I said, I thought about it forever. Finally last year I was like, if I don't do this, it's gonna be that thing that haunts me forever. Sure. And one day I'm going to see somebody that looks like me hosting a show with this idea and I'm going to be pissed at myself. It's going to drive
0: you nuts. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But also like can't be pissed at myself because I just never did anything about it. Right. So I finally started. I had like, I had already filmed everything. So I was like, I'm just going to make my own show. I'm putting it out on YouTube. It's called Wild Adventures. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. Every episode I'm in a different city at a different place where you can have an interaction with um, an animal or yeah. like some really cool wildlife experience yeah yeah
0: and so i it's wild adventures with juliana and it's it's on youtube right it's on youtube yeah yeah i mean i want to talk a lot about youtube because i i can understand why you put it off for a while because it kind of feels like you know with with starting this podcast or with like anything it's like you feel like you missed it like oh youtube's over like i i can't start a tiktok like everyone blew up i can't do a podcast everyone has a podcast like and then you realize well, that's like saying oh, I can't write a TV show. Like, all the TV shows have been made. Like, no, like they're making new TV shows every day. So, good for you for just like doing it. And I think YouTube. You know, I've been researching a lot of different ways about. You know, I don't monetize this podcast, but like people are monetizing TikTok, people are monetizing Instagram, but it seems like it's okay. <laughs> it seems like the more um, the more I read, the more that's like YouTube is the place. It's like people are making the most. Return per view, and like it's like just like a stable growth, whereas TikTok will might might fall off. You know, it'll it'll go the way of Vine, and then it's like, what what happened to those kids? So, was that kind of fueling your decision to put on YouTube, or was it just the length?
1: The thing that really fueled my decision was a. I was I'm typically pretty late to jump on the bandwagon of things.
0: Same because we watch. Yeah, because we watch and observe. Yeah,
1: see, and then by the time everyone gets famous, we're like, oh, we watched too long. Yeah, Um, (laughs) but. Yeah, TikTok is. I don't really get TikTok. I'm not really. Mm -mm. You know, I'm definitely not Gen Z. I feel like an old person where I'm like, I don't get it. I'll try to dabble, but like, am I doing it right? I don't know.
0: No, you have to make five videos a day. I can't. No.
1: I was always drawn to YouTube, and there were a couple reasons. The main one being, when I really sat down and thought about like, what are my end goals? Like, my end goal is not to be a famous YouTuber. Right. That would be great if it happened, right? To make extra money, but. My end goal is like, I really want to be a host on a network like Discovery Plus or Disney Channel or Travel Channel or Animal Planet. Yeah. Like, I want to be a host with someone that is putting money behind producing a show. Right. Like I said, right? Like, ideally, I would not like to be a one woman band my entire life. Yeah, Yeah. So, with that being my end goal, I was like, youtube makes the most sense for me to start on a platform because essentially what i'm doing is like creating a sizzle reel so that if the opportunity ever comes you know if there's a show and they're casting or they're looking for hosts or they're looking for wildlife experts I can be like, oh, look, like here's 20 videos of me doing this on camera. And like, I'm obviously passionate about it because I'm doing it for free. Like, do you have hosting experience? Yeah,
0: here it is. Right? Yeah. And it's in your lane that you're looking for. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of like, I really, it took me all those five years. You know, I feel like when anyone starts on social media, like Instagram, for example, you're like, oh, people are monetizing this. I can monetize this. Sure. Why yeah. not? And you're just like grabbing at everything, right? Like fitness, beauty, like health, food, like all the things you're mm-hmm. like, how anyone that wants to pay me, sure, I'll do something. And then you realize like it takes so much time and energy. Like you were saying, you know, about yeah. when people sponsor the podcast or want to, like, it's just a little extra thing in inside your head, which makes it feel like now it feels like I have to do it. Yeah, and, and not that I get to, or not
0: that I want to. It's like I have to. I'm beholden to these sponsors or these ad reads or these things. And It just becomes work. Mm-hmm. And I've brought this up on the podcast before, but it's like there's that quote about how our generation has forgotten about hobbies. Everything yes. is a side hustle. Everything yeah. is a money maker, which is part of a function, partly a function of like how expensive things are and like inflation and whatever else, what other economic issues we're dealing with, but. I think it's really important to have some things you just do for the love of the game, mm-hmm. which is like I love talking to people. I love this podcast. it like helps me learn about modeling, helps other people get exposed to the industry. but like I don't need it doesn't need to make money like it's fine. Yeah.
1: And actually, when you came in and when you said that, I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> I need to write that quote down because yeah. you literally were like, "This is just a hobby, not everything needs to be a hustle and that yeah. was like a light bulb moment, but I've been kind of also feeling that way and realizing that too, you know like I love the content and the videos that I'm creating around animals so much that like, I don't even care. Like, I mean, obviously I care if people watch it, but like at the end of the day, like I have so much fun doing it for myself, that I feel good putting it out in the world and knowing that the right people who that need to see it will see it. Yeah. Hopefully people on YouTube that love animals will find it and watch it. But I think even if that didn't happen, I would still be happy just doing what I'm doing. And
0: that's important because I think the, the baseline intention, like you might blow up and become a YouTuber who can produce the show to the quality you want on your own. Mm-hmm. You might get picked up by Discovery Channel and have your own produced show by them. But like the fact that you just want to do it because you love what you're doing is going to set you up for a much longer and more beautiful career than as opposed to like... Some people are just like, I just wanna be famous. I just wanna be right. rich. And they're like, How do I get there? And like the the means that you end up justifying the ends with, if it doesn't satisfy you in a in a pure way, like it's super hollow. And yeah. you will burn out. Like you will you will get to a point where you're like, Why did I do this? Yeah. The money's not doing it, you know?
1: Well, and that's another reason why I like YouTube and I was always a little bit drawn to YouTube because I like the idea of you really putting your heart and soul into something mm-hmm. and putting it out there and it lives there. And it's just, you know, like TikTok and Instagram, they're very like 24 hours gone. So yeah. like you make this content, it's gone. It's very fast paced. Right. Whereas like YouTube, you make these videos that are long form. They're really easy to search for, you know, like if you go, you can see all the videos people have done, it's not like there's 800 five second videos. Yeah. Um, And then once you get monetized on YouTube, you can just make passive income. Like the first thing that I did on YouTube, kind of that was like a test actually, was when we were in Cabo, Yeah, I was kind of in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to start making like travel and wildlife videos and putting them on YouTube. So I did a test and I had Googled the resort that we were at Mm -hmm. and there were some videos that were getting a lot of views and a lot of them were just... Like one specific that I watched was just a guy with a GoPro. Yeah. And he was just walking around with the GoPro talking about things and it was shaky and the quality wasn't good and the audio was bad. And I was like, well, I have a GoPro. I can do that. So I went
0: iPhone, anything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I went and I did a tour of that resort Mm -hmm. and I put that out as my first video and it consistently gets me like 4,000 views a month. It's really? doing really well, yeah.
0: Because it's probably people just searching that, like, yes. I want to go to this resort. Let me YouTube it and see That's what's what out. what it is. It's, it's very searchable. It's finding like those niches. And I heard Mr. Beast. Do you know who Mr. Beast is? He's like the biggest YouTuber in the world. You should right. know who he is. Probably. I don't know. I didn't really know, but he was talking about like the thumbnails and like the SEO and like he's like, I have more ideas for you know viral channels that I could possibly ever make, but like. It, they're so easy, if you know the formula
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it's, I kind of want to look into it more because, but then you get into the line of like, am I just trying to make money? Am I just trying to go viral? And there's all these people who do like ghost YouTube channels where they farm out the content creation. Like everyone, like they're not doing anything. They're not on camera. And that again, is like, you're just trying to make money. But there is a way on YouTube to, to create this content that's very searchable and very interesting to the right niche audiences that will constantly get hits. And you had a good point about Instagram, like, I love my Instagram, I don't, I don't do reels, I love it as, like, just my portfolio, it's a way to, like, see the evolution of my work, and, like, I go way down and be like, wow, I was so bad at this, <laughs> and then, you know, I post my, my interests and my work, and I like how it's balanced, but people who come and, like, follow you, they don't go down very deep, they don't, they're not, like, they're, like, They'll just miss things. Like I have this picture of me with long hair and people are like, I didn't know you had long hair. I'm like, it's in my Instagram. Like right. it goes, because people just don't, It's they stay at the top and it's, it's what's new, what's new, what's new. As YouTube, you have this like body of work that mm-hmm. people will actually look at, which yeah. is so much more interesting.
1: Yeah. And YouTube as a search engine, I think is really powerful, especially for people that are traveling because I'm going to Spain in November and I never really searched on YouTube, but my best friend that I'm going with, that's like all she does. So when I went to her house, we were just watching YouTube videos about people that had been to the cities that we were going to. So I think if you're doing things like that, you know, things that people are organically searching for, it can be really beneficial.
0: Yeah. And it is, it is kind of an equalizer. It's not a social media, but everyone's on YouTube worldwide. Not everyone's on Instagram. There's, like, Chinese TikTok, American TikTok. You know, it's all, like, kind of split up. But YouTube, like, everyone goes on YouTube. And the numbers of people that you can, you know, get their eyeballs are staggering. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, remember when, what was it, like, that Psy Gangnam Style song? Oh, yeah. It was, like, the first video to get a billion views or something. And now it's, like, that's nothing. Like, yeah. These people are just pumping out numbers. It's wild.
1: And Baby know. Shark, that video's got... I don't know. Now it probably has like 20 billion views.
0: Because, you know, like everyone's kid wanted to listen to it over and Mm -hmm. over. And YouTube Kids is a whole nother thing that like, it's basically TikTok for children. Yeah. And it's like crack. I've seen kids engage with that. And it's like, is this healthy? I don't know.
1: Well, that Baby Shark song is like crack for kids. And I never knew it because obviously I don't have kids yet. But I was doing a shoot where I had a a baby, a real baby in a carrier and the mom was there and the baby was crying, and she stood right off camera from me, like five feet away, and played the YouTube baby shark video. And that kid, I mean, he went from crying, hysterical, yeah. to like, oh, and smiling, happy, perfect for camera. I was like, whoa. Yeah. That was the only time I've ever seen it in action, but I was like, I get it now.
0: Well, and it's like, like pop music has a f- mathematical formula to it. Mm-hmm. And I think stuff with kids, like, it's like reality TV. Like, I'll watch. 50 episodes of love island and i'm like why have i not lost interest it's because the way they edit it is like you know like it has these like swings and Mm -hmm. things that just keep you coming back i think it's the same with youtube kids stuff and
1: yeah it's really fascinating when you start getting behind the science yeah the psychology psychology yeah yeah in songs like like you were saying um it's like like you don't have control over what you like like no it's crazy yeah you're like It's kind of – you could go down a whole rabbit hole of being like, whoa, someone is controlling this. Oh, yeah. Someone knows I'm going to be addicted to this.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean like the way YouTube like suggests you videos, like it's all curated to you. It's all – like my YouTube looks way different than your YouTube and like it's – What do you
1: watch on YouTube?
0: I don't go on YouTube that much. I watch a lot of like podcasts which is interesting because you wouldn't think watching people talk for an hour or two hours or three hours would hold your attention, but it does. Hmm. So, Because I, I love seeing people's faces. You know, like, I always Google image search musicians because, mm-hmm. like, I'm such a visual person that I need to put the face to this, the voice. Um, Yeah, I watch a lot of stand-up clips, like, CrowdWorks clips that a lot of comedians are catching onto the YouTube trend and posting, like, you know, little two minute crowd work bits from every show. And they're just, you know, they're going viral with that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I don't know if I utilize YouTube as much as I should. Yeah. How long are your videos that you post for Wild Adventures?
1: So my videos are six to eight minutes. Okay. And they're that length because this is an interesting story. I made the first episode I was going to put out. I made it and I was all excited about it and I was like yay it's done I have a friend that is a reality tv producer yeah and I was like hey I would love your feedback before I put this out like if you have time so she watched it and then she was like can I call you and I was like yep yeah Mm, (laughs) and um (laughs) I had just asked her for actually notes on the music that I chose and she was like do you want she was nice she was like do you only want notes on that or do you want other notes I was like tell me everything give me everything you got and she was like Okay, I love the concept. Like, you're fun to watch on camera. The clips are great, but like, you made a 10 minute commercial for this place that you visited. Yeah. And she was like, I hope they're paying you. And I was like, well, they're not, but those are really good notes. And then I watched it. And I was like, she's so right. Because the way that I had scripted it was very much like, when you come to this place, you can do this and you can do this and yeah. you can do this. And here we have the promotional. It was, yeah. yeah, it was very promotional. And then, you know, so she gave me notes. So then I sat down, I scrapped the whole video. I watched, like, three different travel shows that are mm-hmm. out now, and I really, like, rewinded and forward and, like, watched them meticulously and kind of broke down their formula. Yeah. Because there is a formula. Once you catch on to it, you're like, okay. I'm
0: curious what it is. Like, What did you discover? So,
1: like, so for the ones I watched, it was like, okay, there's a, a opening that's kind of like a teaser mm-hmm. about the place, mm-hmm. right? And then you have, like, your... Like my show trailer, I call it, which runs at the front of every episode. So it's like, hey, I'm Julana. Basically tells you about the show in 20 seconds. And then after that, it goes into the episode. So I describe like kind of a little bit about the location and then introduce the place we're at. Mm -hmm. And then um, just go into it. Mine's a little different because I didn't have as much like interviews with people that I would like to have. So maybe if I do a season two, I'll like try to get some on-camera interviews with like experts and, you know, like maybe a zookeeper or something like that. Cool, <laughs> um, but yeah, I basically just formatted it in a similar style to travel shows that were already out. Yeah, and once I did that, I was like, Oh yeah, now it reads like this mm-hmm. versus like a commercial for all the things you can do at this place.
0: Right, because you're sort of inserting your take, right? It's, mm-hmm. a, it's sort of editorialized to meet to meet like your life meets this location, right? Yeah. As opposed to like, look at how great yeah. this place is. So anyone could do that, but right. you're bringing something specific to it. Like, I love Anthony Bourdain. As like a travel show guy and you watch his segments and it's not just like an ad for beirut or wherever location it's like how it affects him and his life story all interwoven so it's it's that's making him indispensable because only he could tell that story right mm-hmm. so that makes a lot of sense
1: yeah and it's hard it's a hard balance to find like even now you know i'm almost at the end of season one and i'm already thinking about places i want to go for season two and like what i would do differently but It's a mix between sharing your experience and bringing the people with you to this place, but also like how much information do they want to know? Like when I started, I was very much like, oh my God, I need to tell these people anything they could possibly want to know about visiting this place, like how much tickets are and what the parking is like, because those are things I want to know. But I was like, maybe it's not the right place for here. Like what I've thought about doing is, you know, in the future, Maybe building it out and having a separate blog where I put all those details. So if someone is actually going to the place. Yeah,
0: like, here's my recommendations. They can find all
1: of those details easily accessible. But I was like, you know, I just always feel the need to, like, over-deliver information.
0: Well, and it's like, because in the commercial acting and modeling world, like, one thing that's kind of been hammered into my head and makes me feel more comfortable on set is, like, it's not about you. Mm -hmm. Like, you are not the product. Right. We're selling shoes. We're selling this beverage. We're selling this restaurant. Like, so it makes me be like, I'm just a like, I'm a prop that has some skills, you know? Right. And that makes me comfortable. But when you get more into the world you're talking about, it's like, no, like, what else about you? Like, yes, you're a pretty face who can deliver lines and like be engaging. But like, yeah, I need some meat here. Or I'm going to lose. You know, it's like you're just promoting, you know.
1: Yeah. And that's basically where I fell between because, like I said, that first commercial or (laughs) commercial, it was a commercial that I made. I was on camera and I I basically was doing that. And then she told me she was like, people want to see you experience the place. Yeah. So it is hard coming from that mindset of being the prop to being like, oh, now it is about me, Mm -hmm. you know, or it's at least it's about my experience in a little more bit more about me it's not just my face and that's like the
0: acting versus hosting idea we were talking about where it's like when you're acting it's it's not about you it's about how you can make it about Mm -hmm. the project but this is a world where it's like i want to see both right it's really interesting so why did six to eight minutes become the like the target point
1: um that's what she told me so i just took (laughs) her advice i was like well you've been in this industry for like way longer than i have yeah and you work in tv so You know, I think because that's kind of like um, attention span and stuff. You know, and it it's funny because once she said that, and now that I've been editing my videos, it's like really exciting. They almost always end around eight minutes. Yeah, it's nice to have like
0: a a target because editing is so important. Yeah, like like, I have too much stuff, but the more you edit, the tighter it gets, the better it gets. Like, yeah,
1: and it's hard at first because you have a lot of things that you think are important that. Other people are like, oh, I don't really care about knowing that. Yeah. So you gotta kill
0: your darlings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the same I'm thing playing. with like um, comedians releasing specials on Netflix because I think Netflix is starting to give out some information about like viewership and like numbers and stuff. And they realize that like comedians usually do an hour special, but they realized a lot of people were bouncing at like 25 minutes. So they would put their closing joke at the like 22 minute mark mm-hmm. and it would keep people in it for the whole duration of like so they're like people are moneyballing the whole like how do you keep eyeballs on how do you maintain attention and i think youtube's even more specific with that kind of stuff because it's it's a little quicker yeah but people are realizing the, the formula
1: yeah again and going back to what we were talking about before that's the crazy thing about it you know there is like a weird science behind it all mm-hmm. so it's like we as regular people don't know that but if you understand that yeah as an editor or someone like you really do kind of have the power between making a video do really well versus not
0: yeah and there's something on youtube about like fast cuts like they'll Mm -hmm. cut really fast and there'll be shitty transitions like it'll be a talking head and you can tell there's a cut it's not just seamless but it keeps you like oh it's new it's new it's new I'm a stay I'm yeah. a stay like what's I've, next
1: I've watched some of the YouTubers' videos on how they edit and it is very just like as long as there's no if as long as your brain's always like oh 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 yeah. then you'll keep watching it yeah
0: you don't you have no chance to to move on to the next thing
1: mm-hmm. no I chance mean,
0: <laughs> I'm sure it's been a whole evolution because you think about the original like YouTubers who blew up sort of by accident when they introduced the partnership feature and like people who started getting monetized. Like Jenna Marbles. Oh yeah. She never. was like, all of a sudden I made twenty million dollars and was like, oh, okay. And I think she's gone. Like I think she's like, Jenna cool. Marbles. Yeah.
1: I gotta look her up. But it was
0: just like oh. shitty videos. And right. so that's when that was when people realized, oh, production quality doesn't matter very much. It's just engaging content and like driving forward and the cuts and almost almost not trying to make it look good and like purposefully making it look shitty so it's I don't know, more honest or like vulnerable or i, I don't know it's interesting mm-hmm. yeah so you mentioned you don't have kids but you have a husband i
1: have a husband who's also an actor he's an actor yep
0: how do you feel about the one headshot per household theory
1: what's that i know people
0: say <laughs> it's you should only have one headshot per household
1: or like only one person in yeah, entertainment because
0: it just gets like you can start to overlap like how do you guys manage that
1: we've actually done pretty well with it yeah. i think actually for our relationship it's been easier that we're both in the industry because i understand we both understand everything about the industry you know so i don't know we haven't really had any issues with it
0: because i i think i tend to lean more towards your side of the fence where it's like i think it's better if you're both i mean if you're being competitive with someone about your careers like that's probably a therapy thing you need to figure Mm -hmm. out but like the lifestyle is so weird. Yeah. And like, you know, you went to Cabo and had a husband and like you're shirtless <laughs> in the pool and like there's no intimate stuff. It's a picture but like, of
1: me and my child and my husband on yeah. the beach. Yeah. And like
0: that can be super triggering for someone who doesn't quite get how it works. Who hasn't – even if they understand that that's your job, if they haven't done it and been like, oh, this doesn't feel like – it's complete – it's work. It's mechanical. It's very like – Yeah. You know, and it, it
1: is a super weird thing. Even just – things that we can relate on like when you're on set and you don't do anything all day but it's like a weird mentality of like being anxious because you know that at any given point they're gonna call you and you have to be ready to go so it's like i physically didn't do anything but i'm really tired from the day because i was on set for 16 hours doing Mostly nothing.
0: Mostly waiting. <laughs> yeah. Like at its like I've talked about this with a lot of different models. It's like the days where I do the least, I'm the most tired because uh-huh. you can never relax. Right. Like you can never fully sink into your holding area or whatever you're eating because like you might need to drop the, the plate you're eating or like right. I l- leave conversations mid-word. It's just <laughs> like nope, I'm gone. They call my name and everyone gets it, which is really fun. But that that sense of like always being ready, you're always on your best behavior, you're interacting with all new people that day like you're my girlfriend or my wife like I need to get to know you not in a romantic way but like in a way Mm -hmm. that we can fake being it's like a whole dance that's tiring yeah so like yeah you come home and if you have a partner that's like oh you just modeled all day like why are you tired
1: yeah like they wouldn't really get it I don't think or you know like you said probably going into some other issues but like I've known partners that one of them was a model and the other one didn't like that they were modeling bathing suits or whatever, yeah. you know, and then that person kind of stopped modeling, which I don't know. It just tricky. it works out really good for us. We understand each other a lot. We're very supportive. We help each other. Like it's nice because when he has auditions, I can help him. Yeah. And he can help me. Yeah. You know, and it's it's just really I don't know. It's a good fit for us.
0: And you know that like the grind. Like someone the other yeah. day asked me, they're like, what do you do? And I was like, I model and do commercial acting. And they're like, Oh, so that's like really easy. And I was like, mm, "I don't want to have this conversation, like, yeah. like like what we're talking about, like it's it's been a hard road of like learning how to do it. And then it's also like it's hard work. Like it's not. Mm-hmm. i don't I've yet to meet the like charmed model who's like, I don't know. I just like happened for me, and like, I'm really good at it. I didn't have to work at. It. i've I haven't met that person. I've talked to a lot of people.
1: I think that, like, A lot of people get lucky in the beginning, but I do think that once you've been in the industry for like 10 years, you know, even anything past five, it's like you probably got lucky, but then also you probably put in a lot of work on the side to stay there and be successful, you know, like getting new agents, following up with your agents, taking new pictures all the time, staying up on your casting networks, like because at a certain level, like without putting in all that hard work constantly, you don't really keep going. Yeah. You know, like some people I just fade away.
0: Yeah. and I mean, like the I think the main reason you might get lucky early on is like you have the look that's in style. Right. Like, you're ethnically ambiguous. Like all my girls, girlfriends and wives on set look like you. So like they're probably like, oh, yeah. great. Like they sign you up right away and throw you into stuff and like you book stuff <laughs> immediately. Like I think that, we
1: even took a picture, didn't we? And we sent it to our agent. Yeah. Was like, hey, in case you need a yeah <laughs> multiracial couple here, here we are. Here but we like
0: are. that trend will change, uh-huh. you know, and like or, or maybe already has. But like, and like you've just gotten your foot into the, firmly into the industry, but like that that pop that you get initially, it won't stick around. Like you know, and it'll, people casting directors like, oh, we've seen we've seen her. Like, what else? You mm-hmm. know, can she do fitness? Can she do com? Like those are things you have to learn. Right. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense um so hosting modeling what's the goal so like let's say we know what you're doing at seven years old Mm -hmm. you were dancing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and loving animals seven years from now what's the ideal arrangement of your life
1: my ideal trajectory of my life and my career would be i would love to get to the point where i am traveling the world and having like wildlife experiences in these places and sharing them with people, mm-hmm. whether that's like via social media or something. I kind of have always thought about it. And like, like if I was going to be an influencer instead of being a travel influencer, influencer showing like, Oh, here's this cathedral. I would basically want to be like, here is this migration of whales that you can come see off yeah. the coast of Mexico yeah. or whatever. And documenting that, um, So I'd love for that to be where I end up ideally getting paid for it because traveling all over the world is expensive. So whether that's like just through a brand that sponsors, you know, maybe like an eco-friendly brand or something like that. Um, I think that would be cool. And I would also really love to get into like, whenever I do have children doing like mom modeling, I think yeah. there's a big market for that. And I could That's like a huge
0: market for that. Totally
1: see. Oh, actually I do have a really big life goal that I've had since I lived in Florida. Let's hear it. It's, um, I want to get booked on a Disney cruise line shoot. <laughs> yeah. Once I, but for that, they, they, yeah. Cause we used to see castings all the time out of yeah, Florida and it's so you need like a mom and a husband obviously. And like, usually they want two kids like five and seven. So it wouldn't take me a while to get there, but like one day. You can do it. I want to do that.
0: I mean, I know lots of families who book jobs like that. Um, Yeah. And like you and your husband could produce some very cute tan Mm -hmm. babies. So. Hope so. (laughs) Yeah. I think you can make that happen. Um, Thinking about like the, you know, the sort of like animal experience influencer lifestyle you want to create. You know, one thing with Anthony Bourdain, I mean, obviously he had a pretty tragic life, but. He talked about, like, his dreams came true and he traveled the world, but, like, it became work. Mm -hmm. Like, he was on planes 300 days out of the year. And he's like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, it's just, like, everything can get tiresome and you can get burnt out on anything if you don't pace yourself well. And, like, it's the same with, like, money. Like, I'm big on defining what success is to you before you start achieving it because otherwise it never ends. Like, it's never enough. So, like, have you thought about how to balance that work of traveling and doing all these experiences and filming and editing and all that with just like stability
1: um i have not thought about that yet however i've been kind of starting to think about it because i have some opportunities for next year yeah that would be in the travel and wildlife trips um but yeah it's definitely a hard thing because i don't want to be gone like I wouldn't enjoy being gone that much especially
0: if you're going to have two beautiful kids. Yeah, like yeah. I
1: equally love traveling and seeing new places and having those experiences. I feel like I need that as a human. Yeah. And I also just as much love like being a wife and being at home and taking care of my house and like yeah. you know when I have kids I know I'm going to love being a mom. So I don't know how I don't know. We'll just I Yeah, sometimes it sort of naturally
0: figures itself out. Like you know, I used to want to be, like, this van lifer or, like, you know, I lived abroad and I was like, I think I'm just an expat forever. But I didn't really want to do it. Like, I wanted stability. I like my space. I like my routine. And I like to go on excursions and escape. But, like, for a certain type of person, the, like, vagabond wanderlust lifestyle is not not ideal. And for I think for a very rare type of person, is it ideal to just, like, not have a home base like oh I have a storage unit in Vegas and I just like live in my van like that's
1: no I think that's really hard it's
0: really hard (laughs) yeah yeah
1: I think a good balance for me I think if I do like you know I didn't travel for a long time obviously because of COVID and stuff but yeah this year I've actually traveled a lot I think anywhere between like two and three kind of like big like international trips a year feels like enough but not too much for me yeah and by big i mean like you know seven to ten days yeah really in a different get in country there. yeah yeah because the problem with traveling internationally is sometimes you have to stay that long or else it's not even worth going over there oh
0: yeah or no? like you can only get a taste of it yeah I mean, one city out of an entire country yeah. is not it's like coming to the states and only visiting florida yeah like you didn't see the states. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: But no, I would love to do some trips that are more, I've been looking into doing um, like volunteer trips, which I've never done, but they have a lot of those with wildlife sanctuaries and rehab centers. Like Costa Rica has a ton there. And those are cool because you actually get to take care of like little sloths or like little monkeys or birds or whatever they have in the center.
0: Yeah. My friend did that. I think in either Nicaragua or Costa Rica, and he was like, his job was to like, take a jaguar on walks every day like a, like a baby Jaguar on a leash and like that that was his assignment and he's like what like, and yeah you live there I think for free and the, it's like room and board is included with the volunteer work very cool
1: yeah I've been thinking about that a lot more because like I said I do love traveling but now I'm kind of more like well can I travel and do something good versus just traveling and like seeing a bunch of things and then coming yeah. home and being like I saw all these things
0: yeah you know it's like how can I contribute to the sustainability and you know the the future of that sort of that those places continue to exist and also like you're not doing it because you hear about the tiger sanctuaries in thailand that are like they're all drugged up and it's like very gross and like tiger king was a very big thing obviously and zoos in general are not like they don't have the best rap right now Mm -hmm. so how do you contribute to the health of that industry um
1: yeah and that's another thing that i'm very conscious about when i travel is um, making sure I do tons of research on whatever place I'm going because I would never want to go to a place where they're using the animals for money Yeah. versus like, uh, you know, I don't know how to say this, but like, like, basically, if you go to a place and it feels wrong, yeah. right, it feels like for profit, basically, yeah, for yeah. profit, you can kind of feel it versus like, if you go to a sanctuary where you're doing things with the animals, but like, You know, it's a hard line to cross because there's a bunch of animal activists or like Peter or whatever. Mm -hmm. They're like, no, anything with animals is bad. But it's like, okay, but there's a gray area there because some animals really need, like, enrichment. Like, you know, if you had a a dog sanctuary, for example, and like like my dog, he needs to run every day for like an hour and a half. And you you had people coming there throwing a ball for him, like, he needs that. That wouldn't be bad, quote unquote, you know? So...
0: You're trying to get people to throw balls for your dogs. Right? Actually, yeah. <laughs> he literally never stops. So. Yeah. <laughs> I no, take- but that that is an important distinction to make because, like, we live in this world where animals have been marginalized in a lot of ways. And it's like, okay, do we just let them all die? Or, like, do we re- rehabilitate yeah. them or try to make them comfortable? And, like, yes, like, their sanctuary is not the ideal environment for them, but, like, that environment's gone for all intents and purposes in a lot of cases.
1: Yeah, and that's what a lot of people, I think, I think a lot of people don't see the whole picture, right? Like we've done so much in the past with like ruining their habitats and all these places that they live and, you know, like zoos, people that have issues with zoos and sanctuaries. It's like you have to think that if we were to say, okay, we're not going to have these anymore, let all the animals out, they're all going to die.
0: They're all going to die. They don't have
1: anywhere to go. And then there's They were bred in captivity. You know, and some of them aren't like some zoos are important because they have breeding programs to keep endangered animals alive specifically yeah Yeah. they don't go extinct
0: yeah and it's like people are like oh i don't care about the polar bears like we've seen them it's like i don't know there's something to like maintaining species you know diversity and it's just tricky and i think it's important for you to be aware of that because you know you create this persona online you go to a sanctuary that presents itself one way and then you find out that it's actually this like evil for-profit thing and then you're cancelled all of a sudden because mm-hmm. you accidentally went to a place that, that you, was essentially lying to you you know right so it is i think having that intention and I- idealism behind your mission is important to like i don't know to not just be exploiting animals <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so what you know you have all these goals for traveling in the future What would you recommend as something, an animal experience that you've done to the listeners? Like you talked about like whale migrations or these different things.
1: Mm.
0: What was the, what's the top of your list?
1: Well, this is something that I never knew about before and I just did it this year, but I went to Nebraska on a press trip and we went to see the Sandhill Crane migration. Interesting. Yeah. I made a video on it. Yeah. So. If anyone wants to watch it, they can watch it's on it. YouTube? It's on YouTube. But basically, sandhill cranes, every year in the spring, they migrate from like southern US and Mexico mm-hmm. up through America to like Canada and Alaska and Siberia. And they've been doing this for like ten thousand years. The only place that they stop is the middle of Nebraska.
0: Really? Yeah. That's it's the only place they touch the down. Only
1: place they touch so down. Wild. It's crazy, and it's because they have this, like, river ecosystem there that is, like, just the perfect habitat for these cranes to, like, safely, like, sleep in or roost in at night. And then there's, like, tons of food source. Like, they go to all the cornfields around Nebraska, and they eat the corn, and that's where they, like, really bulk up. Yeah, And then they continue their journey. So, I had no idea, but, like, people go there, you know, birding people and everything. They go there every year in the spring, and... There's, like, companies, they have, like, viewing blinds so you can go out there and see them. Yeah. And it's just crazy. I mean, it really is, like, a... You really feel, like, the power of nature Mm -hmm. when you see, like, tens of thousands of these birds coming down and landing at night or like taking off in the morning at sunrise
0: so they just stay for That's one crazy. night
1: no they usually stay like they'll come and stay for three to four weeks yeah like in different groups so it lasts like between february and april okay is when people go watch
0: so there's like waves of them they mm-hmm. come they fuel up
1: yeah but they're just like everywhere in nebraska like you look up in the sky and it's just like thousands of cranes like flying over the fields and it's crazy
0: that's, see, that's something I never would have thought of. Yeah. But it's like, it'd probably be pretty spectacular to see.
1: Yeah, it was cool.
0: Do people hunt those?
1: People do hunt them. Is Not- that
0: ribeye from the sky?
1: Yes, that's what it is. Yeah. So I, they're protected in Nebraska, but yeah. you know, I think surrounding states, you can hunt them.
0: It's like red meat. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard about that. But I mean, I saw, I went to Africa and did a safari and saw like the Great Migration and like you said, like the power of-, what, of wildebeest? The wildebeest. Oh, and cool. like it was like wildebeest zebra and- That's cool. Yeah. The wildebeest are n- news, G-N-U. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, you drive through it all day and it does not end. Mm-hmm. You're just like- <laughs> you make, it's, it's like, I don't know. Like I get it in the mountains. People get it at the ocean, but it's like the scale of nature. And you're like, oh, like I am so insignificant mm-hmm. because this is so- I don't know. And it's it, it the idea, like you said, that they've been doing it for 10,000 years and they do it the same way every time. And they don't even know why they're doing it. Like, yeah.
1: They just, it's instinctual for them to do it.
0: Yeah. It's like, I was watching, uh, alone. You were watch alone. Yeah. I, yeah, got into I was that. watching the new season <laughs> last night and they were talking about how foxes have a shadow in their retina that points to true North.
1: Whoa. So they
0: have like an internal, like a, ocular compass and that's how they track and then judge the distance to their prey like they have this little blip it's like it's like google glass that's crazy yeah Yeah. that kind of stuff is so fascinating to me because i think
1: yeah if you watch wildlife shows like i think i genuinely think every single species whether it's like a, a bug an insect a mammal a fish like every species is so unique yeah and like has something cool that just like blows your mind
0: yeah and I think we've kind of lost touch with the things about us that like are that special because we live in an environment that's not what we're supposed to be in, you know. Right.
1: Catered to us, built for us. Built for <laughs>
0: us, but also not not built for our like true functionality maybe.
1: Built for like convenience yeah. and comfort.
0: Yeah, It's I mean like humans are like we have great spatial memory because it was like how to remember where to find food. Mm-hmm. So now with the iPhone, people's – memory of facts and information is getting worse but we know where to find it like i know if i go to this website or this page it'll tell me the thing i need to know so it's similar to how it's like oh if i go to this bush it'll give me food Mm. so it's really interesting how like our technological advances are feeding into our like primal instincts yeah i don't know i don't know if it's good or bad but it's something (laughs) (laughs) it's something interesting man okay well I'm going to go see the Sandhill Crane crane Migration. Okay. But I'm going to check out some more of your videos. Uh, Do you have any last bits of wisdom for our viewership or audience?
1: I would just say that if there is anything that you are super passionate about that you've been wanting to do, just start. I mean, I feel like the only thing that I wish I would have done is started this when I thought about it five years ago. Yeah. And because I was like... Well, I don't really know how, you know, like just taking action, any bit of little action gets you going in the right direction yeah. and leads you places. But Start if you know, before you're ready. Yeah, yeah. you're never really ready. And I knew that, right? I wrote yeah. all those quotes down. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, I was like, one day when I'm ready, one day I'm going to sit down, I'm going to map out my whole plan. And, and then once the plan's all mapped out, then I'll start. Yeah. And now it's just like. Just go. Yeah. I wish I would have just gone.
0: Yeah but you did eventually
1: eventually here we are it could you could be like
0: telling yourself that now like i'll just do it one day but you did it yeah so you're the proof is in the pudding yeah awesome well thank you very much for talking to me
1: thanks michael i've been excited to get on your podcast because like i said i've been listening to it for a long time all right all right bye kids bye